Five o'clock on the Blitz. Work is over. It's time to let that bird fly. Free that bird, boys. Happy Friday, everyone. It is another edition of the show here on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. I'm Colby Daniels, along with the 2023 Oklahoma Sportscaster of the Year, Jeremy Poplin. Scott File is on the other side of the glass in the Tulsa Oilers football studio. And we say hello to John Holcomb via the Blitz hotline. John, happy Friday, my friend. Do you believe in space? In some form or fashion, yes. But do you believe in planets and stuff? <laughs> Let me answer that this way. <laughs> I know what I was. T- I know what I was taught. But I'm at a point in my life where I'm willing to question just about anything, <laughs> okay. including including officials. And including, although I'll be more respectful about it than maybe I was when I first started broadcasting, uh, and also Texas officials as to why, I understand why, but is this an unfair advantage that OSU is not going to have access to the Moody Center tonight because, thanks a lot, Blake Shelton, having a concert there tonight. So the uh, Cowboys won't even be able to get shots up in the arena, and they got a 1 o'clock game tomorrow. Oh, no. I mean, one of Oklahoma's own is doing Oklahoma State dirty? I, that's what – That's apparently that's what it is. But like I said, I'm willing to question anything. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, unfortunately, I, I would have never thought to ask that question before yesterday, but we found out that Texas Tech defensive back Tyler Owens – in his NFL Combine press conference, doesn't believe in space and planets and stuff. Uh, well, he just attempted his 40-yard dash. Speculation was that he would run the fastest 40 time at the Combine, and as soon as he got in space, looked like he pulled a hammy and uh, is not going to have an official time. <laughs> well, um, then I suppose you've got to kind of blame the forces of gravity. But I will ask. I will answer and uh, give you another answer with this. That um, and I understand there's some people out there that that uh, don't believe in this, but the, it, it, there, the firmament is a biblical term. And if you believe what's in the Bible, then what's interesting is: Have you ever actually tried to figure out what the firmament is? I don't know that I know for sure, but it doesn't necessarily equate to a bunch of Star Trek type space out there. So that's, that's as far as I'm going. And I'm telling you, I don't know. I don't know, but it's interesting to try to figure out what that is. Somehow. I don't think he maybe knows. that's what he was on to. I don't think that's the case, John. I'm <laughs> just, uh, you know, I hate to, yeah. <laughs> just judging by the way that he answered the question. I, I seriously doubt he just seems like he might've stumbled across something on TikTok <laughs> and was like, all right, that sounds like, that sounds pretty good. You know, he, he may, he, maybe he reads from the book of Kyrie, which is, because he also uh, he, he also said that he didn't think that the Earth was flat, but quote, 
uh, they bring up some valid points. And I'm like, and everyone, as you can imagine, was in the comments going, this is a young man that actually went to college at Tech that is basically saying this. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, is if you don't get your gun, if, John, if you don't get your grades up, you get your guns up. That's what I was always taught. <laughs> <laughs> that's now that's clever. I like ending, that. ending up at uh, at Texas Tech. So, you mean you don't get to bless the mood until tomorrow? God, that is uh, yeah. that's that that doesn't seem like that is. Um, no, well, one, let me tell you what it is. That's not all right. All right. All right. Okay. All, all right. If there was a rim shot, I would play one for you right now. I usually let Colby take care of that on the on the rim shot front. Thank you very much. There we go. So, uh, is there a plan? Are they going to be able to get up shots somewhere? Do they have to go to some practice facility? Well, I think what they've done because we are still in Stillwater, we're going to leave here in about a little over an hour because you couldn't get into the Moody Center. They've practiced this afternoon, so you got got a lot of work in here, and then. There is an option to get shots up in the morning, but you know how that goes. I mean, typically for home games, OSU's shoot around, walk through, whatever you want to call it, is starts five hours before tip-off. So tomorrow's a one o'clock game. Uh, Texas, if it employs anywhere close to the same home game schedule, would be in the Moody Center at eight-ish. So what does that mean? Are we getting up at 5:30 to go over to the Moody Center at 6 a.m.? I don't think so. So I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you get there a little earlier tomorrow before game time. But but I'm not I'm not aware of any you know because the itineraries can change. Um, but we'll see. Seems appropriately named. Yes, yes, it does. Yes, it does. What Moody Center? Yes. <laughs> Well, in terms of this Texas team, I think there were pretty high expectations of what they were going to be this year, and it's probably safe to say that they have not met those expectations, but just where where do you think they are at this stage of the season? I think they're a very dangerous team because they have guys going through this for the last time that are seeing the end of their college careers, and for whatever, you know, we talked about this some with John Michael Wright, is when... Mike Boynton shrunk the rotation for OSU a little bit. Then John Mike was on the outside, like number nine in an eight-man rotation there for a while. But he has raised the level of his game since then. And it's his last time going through a, a college season. And so what did you see at Texas Tech? You saw a Texas team jump on Texas Tech very early before they could get their guns up, Pop. And you have Max Aismas. Dylan DeSue, you know, these guys who've played a lot of college basketball that are like, we are going to do everything we can to control how we go out. And it makes them very dangerous because they're playing with a level. Of, and I, I forgot to mention Brock Cunningham in his 12th season of college basketball. He, they're, they're, they're playing at a, with a lot of intensity, a lot of purpose, and it makes them a very dangerous team. So Texas, before that win the other night, in which Rodney Terry almost said we, when they were throwing stuff on the floor, uh, we almost left. Um, that you know everything that happening with with the crowd and the the dude that was getting carried out, <laughs> which was a funny video to watch. 
kind of overshadowed mm-hmm. that performance against Texas Tech because there were only so many opportunities for Texas to get a good quadrant win, and that was a quadrant one uh, quadrant one win for them. That's a mouthful. And then they have another opportunity with Oklahoma, who should be a, a, like a quadrant two win. But um, that kind of solidified Texas, at least for right now, about their spot and, and future in terms of tournament play. Um, the one thing is, though, is that as great as that win was, you know, it that one kind of gets overshadowed a little bit if they don't play well against an Oklahoma State team that I hope has a little bit more oomph to them than what they had against Central Florida on Wednesday. Yes, all of that is is right on the money. The Cowboys did not – I'm going to choose my words carefully here. They came out with a lot of intensity against Central Florida the other night. Now, first off, to put a bow on that, yes, Texas can't afford a letdown for Texas' sake tomorrow against OSU. It's another unique circumstance where you're not playing a conference opponent until March. <laughs> I mean, that's the nature of larger conferences, but uh, you didn't hadn't played UCF until Wednesday, the end of February, and now your only meeting with Texas is coming in March. So from OSU standpoint on Wednesday night, they played some really good basketball for about the first 13, 14 minutes maybe. You know, they build that 12-point lead against a team that's hard to maintain any consistent rhythm against because of the way UCF plays. But you're up 12, and you've got them down. And, and it feels like it, it, at that moment it feels like if you can get two more stops and push it to 16, they may just roll over. It, because UCF's players were kind of barking at each other. You got them in the huddles over there. They were, you know, didn't look like they even wanted to be there to a certain degree. Now, some of that is first impression because you hadn't seen them in person, and maybe that's the way they've been all year. I think probably that is the way they've been all year. But what happened when OSU went up 12, C.J. Walker hit back-to-back threes. Cowboys couldn't score in between those. And all of a sudden, it's a six-point game. It's kind of like the start of the second half in Bedlam last Saturday when OSU had an eight-point lead, and then OU gets four points in one trip to start the second half. And then things kind of got tight, and the Cowboys um, were not as efficient offensively over the last part of the first half. You know, they went, what, five-plus minutes without a field goal. But the, the game was going to the free-throw line anyway. Here's the unfortunate thing about Wednesday night, too. Not just that they coughed up the lead and then couldn't make plays down the stretch to really put some heat on UCF to make it a one-point game you know, with a minute and a half to go or whatever it was. There could not have been any more of a difference in the atmosphere in Gallagher-Iba Arena than it was from Saturday night to Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. It was awful on Wednesday. I mean, it was, it was sad. It was stunning. And... Yeah, and and it, you know it. I I understand the whole being upset about Bedlam. McCollum hits a you know one or two out of ten shot to beat you. And yeah, you had opportunities, didn't close the door, but there was so much electricity in the building on Saturday, and one shot outcome, and then all of a sudden you, you're you you probably should have pumped in artificial crowd noise Wednesday. And I understand the fans have the right to feel the way that they feel. And there were some loyal and true ones, to borrow the phrase, there were loyal and true ones who showed up. But, I mean, for the most part, 
for the most part, people were sitting on their hands and, you know, not doing much to try and help the team like good home court advantages have. And that was sad. Has Mike Boynton given any instructions about the horns down for when Oklahoma State wins tomorrow? Well, you know that just about every team, and maybe this was misunderstood by Rodney Terry, because almost even Texas runs this. They have offensively most every team outside of BYU. If you're a spread motion team, then you never get with two high post guys. But there is offensive an offensive scheme with a horns set. That's just what it is. And horns is when you get two of your big guys at either corner of the free throw line. And then you run players off of that trying to pop them open, either with flare screens or curls or whatever, or use one of them as a ball screen for your point guard to drive off of. So the horns set, if you put, if you started in a horn set and then you told those two guys to go to the low post, you could very easily call that horns down. And then it's just <laughs> oversensitivity, even more so by Texas. So maybe this whole thing with Rodney Terry was misunderstood. Maybe UCF was running a horns down set. I, I understand he wasn't, but there is that, which is kind of ironic. And they, they ought to come out in the first, first set, have Brandon Garrison and, uh, and say Eric Daly up there at either corner of the free throw line and run horns. And then just have Javon Small call out, horns down, and then go to the, see what happens. I didn't realize that Texas has not won back-to-back games since January 20th and 23rd. It's, it's, yeah. it's been a while, and that, that speaks a lot to the conference, of course, but it also speaks to what just a roller coaster year that it's been for them and the lack of consistency. No question, and you would have thought that uh, that with as much experience as they have, that that they would not have fallen into that trap. Of course, again, it's part of how the schedule falls. But I don't know that they've had – and I don't really consider Max Asmus a point guard, okay? But I don't think they've had consistent point guard play from Hunter. He's a very talented guy. And with whatever they've been trying to do, you know, I think Dylan Mitchell is athletic as all get out, you know, six seven, six eight, wingspan, can run the floor and can defend – but you, most of the time, you don't mind leaving Dylan Mitchell open from three. You just don't want him to get into a rhythm. And they don't run a whole lot for Dylan Mitchell to go put it on the floor and go. That, that's really not his game. So my point is, is if teams have been able to somewhat lock up Acemas and then not let DeSue dominate inside, that's where part of the problem has been because even though Brock Cunningham's form on a three-pointer has gone from unbelievable to, to believable <laughs> over the course of his career, they've got a lot of pieces and they've got a lot of guys that can do different things, but I don't know how well all of the pieces fit. I think that's, that's part of their issue. Eric Daly putting together a, a pretty nice stretch here, huh? Yes, he's been he's been great, and you know he, the lights come on for him. He was pretty good at Cincinnati, being strong. And the key for him has been in more of attack mode, and not you know I think I've mentioned this before. 
the first thing that he does when he catches the ball in the low post especially, if he takes a step away from the basket, unless he's being double teamed, then that's not necessarily a good sign. You know, maintaining his ground, if he catches it, corner of the free throw line or out of the perimeter, and he surveys the floor, he's a good passer. He's become a more confident overall offensive player. He's been more in attack mode. And you have to respect that he can rise up and hit a three on you. The uh, the challenges for him is continuing to evolve as, as a better defender. But he's been a pretty good rebounder lately, too. He's been... I don't want to say he's been the most consistent guy you could count on over these last few games where the Cowboys have played well, because I think Jamiron Keller's had his moments, but certainly over the last three or four games, um, he's been, he's been really good. And, and I think that, you know, I, I think we, we talked about this, about how you could sense that he was a little excited on the post game show after Bedlam, even though the Cowboys lost, he was upset about the loss. But I think all, also he's he's like, okay, let's go. I'm I'm getting this a little bit better. So if he can continue to improve, the problem is is that you have to have him playing like he's played the last couple of games, especially like he played against Oklahoma, because teams have the last two teams, Oklahoma and UCF have done a really good job negating Brandon Garrison. Brandon made one really pretty move against UCF. You know, they're, they're trying to force him to score over his right shoulder in the low post with his left hand, basically. And that's his offhand. And he managed to do that in the first half, made a really pretty move. But it wasn't, you know, you don't get enough of that yet. And then he's been in some foul trouble. And so that all that's kind of been unfortunate, but, if, if you get Garrison and Daly both going in the same game, then you're going to give yourself a chance to win every one of the rest of them on your schedule. That game, by the way, tomorrow you can hear right here on the Blitz 1170 noon with the uh, pregame and the tip-off coming your way at 1 o'clock. Uh, before we let you go, I wanted your thoughts on all the rumblings that have been coming out about the 14-team playoff model, John, that features two automatic qualifiers for the Big 12. Now, say what you want about the overall aspect of the college football playoff and the Big 10 and the SEC flexing a little muscle here, but Colby and I discussed this earlier in the week, and from a Big 12 perspective, to get two automatic qualifiers, I think you kind of feel happy if you're just a member of the Big 12 with that. Bring it on. Love it. You know, I've been a I've been a fan of expanded playoff for a while, and I don't think I've uh, shied away from sharing that with you guys. I know some people feel like it waters down everything and that the regular season doesn't mean anything, and I would say, okay, prove that to me, that you're not going to have the same sort of intensity on college campuses like you have now for every set. Saturdays are a celebration individually each game. Sometimes the intensity is better. Sometimes your team plays better, whatever. Regular season is still going to mean plenty. And I do like that you're getting a little bit, even though you're, you're allowing the more blue bloods in certain conferences to, to sink their teeth into automatic bids, the fact that you open it up more allows you to even now, okay, now you, you could stumble in a, in a week or maybe two weeks in the big 12 and still have a chance. And, you don't have OU or Texas in the league. 
in years past, those might have been the only two teams that would have even had a shot at something like that. So I like that. I, I, I like it. I, I don't mind 14 at all. OSU, uh, Yahoo, and Ross Dellinger did a mock what it would have looked like this year. OSU would have been a 13 seed uh, and would have gone to Tuscaloosa to play Alabama in the opening round. That wouldn't have sucked, would it? No. No. I mean, listen, if you get a chance. That's all they've really been asking for. You know, and, and it's, it's okay. So you can say, well, that's not going to be a competitive game. Well, you don't know until you play it. Better than sitting at home, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, last thing, we'll let you run. John, Formula One is back. First race of the season is tomorrow morning. The Bahrain Grand Prix. As the Formula One expert here, what's the official pick tomorrow? Max Verstappen. (laughs) (laughs) Well played, sir. Well played. Was I supposed to say Lewis Hamilton? Well, that that was the bit, but you know what? I, I mean, Max is the right answer, so... Good job. Okay, good. <laughs> no Sergio Perez? Come on. <laughs> no. John, sa- safe no. travels to Austin, and uh, have a great call, and we'll talk about it Monday. Thank you, fellas. Enjoy the weekend. That is John Holcomb joining us via the Blitz hotline as he gets ready for the call tomorrow, noon pregame, 1 o'clock tip-off, OSU at Texas, right here on your home for Cowboy Hoops in Tulsa. The Blitz 1170. The disrespect for Lance Stroll. I won't have I it. I know, right? So so when when we started this station and the first conversation that Holcomb and I had, he he mentioned that he enjoyed seeing my social media posts of my son and I waking up early on, on the weekends watching Formula One races. And he said, the only thing I know about Formula One is Lewis Hamilton. And that's it. Like, just that name. So for... For the first, like, forever that we did this, every time I would ask him a Formula One question, he just replied, Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> and it was just kind of the funny bit. So. John John was in, like, the 80%, 80% of Americans before Drive to Survive that that's the only name from F1 that they knew anyway. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, I would ask, like, what do you think about the racetrack this week? Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> It was, it was fantastic. So Spectacular. And now he's learned Max Verstappen, unfortunately. <laughs> All right, I think we have, uh, we have Zach Reynolds. Yep. The play-by-play voice of Tulsa Oilers football. Hockey. Hockey. Sorry, yeah. I, I, just, I made the switch to the, the football studio in my mind. Tulsa Oilers hockey coming up on the other side of the break. I'm Colby Daniels. That is Jeremy Poplin and Scott File in the Tulsa Oilers football studio. You're listening to the Blitz 1170, and we're streaming on the Blitz 1170 app.